Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. It is divisional weekend playoffs in the NFL. This is the granddaddy of them all as far as NFL betting weekends, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how Andy feels about that. Maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion and putting way too much emphasis on a small sample size. But regardless, four incredible matchups to handicap this week. Wide open field, a lot of new blood. Uh, make trying to make their mark in the NFL. Uh, a lot of uh, reasonable um, opportunity for upsets. The market would tell us relative we, to some years past. There's no. Were we not excited for last week? Like we were thinking, oh, the Patriots are going to do what they do. The Vikings are going to get smoked. We got the Houston, you know, the classic Houston early Saturday game that's going to suck, and then maybe one good game in the afternoon. And it's or evening on or Sunday afternoon game. That was the one where we had a quarterback injury and ended up, that ended up being the worst one. And it's funny, <laughs> yeah. Like those were we had a pretty good weekend. They were all pretty fun. And now like these are these are some juicy matchups, good games. Hopefully yeah. we don't get disappointed. But yeah, very excited to see Lamar back in action. We didn't really get, you know, we had a week off of them. Actually, you know, Houston took a week off. There was there were some week seventeens breathers that a few teams took and now we get to get casey we get uh lamar we're gonna see jimmy and the boys again i don't really think the packers should be a bye team but we get aaron back like these should be good games and there's yeah the average spread this week is much bigger than last week yes but i would also contend it's probably smaller than an average divisional there there are some big ones yeah sometimes there are some pretty massive ones on uh on one of these weekends like this. Yeah, you get the bye, you get the home field advantage. The one and two seeds are usually the better teams anyway. Sometimes these numbers are, you know, like unbettable into the, you know, 10s and 12s. And, Especially with the uh, upsets we had. It's it's surprising that we, you know, we don't have a, f- a few games that are over 10. Yeah. No, I think, and I think the market, at least early, kind of liked the looks of a lot of these underdogs, which is interesting. But uh, without further ado, let's welcome our guest. Uh, because uh, we cannot uh, in every way, shape, or form do a full-on true deep dive playoff edition without our good friend from across the pond. We asked him with plenty of time uh, before we got here to make sure he was available for this Wednesday, for this recording, uh, so that we could get his feedback, get his input, talk through uh, NFL betting landscape, Welcome back to the deep dive for, I think, our number one returning guest. Would you, is it, do I have the math right, Andy? You ab- he's absolutely number one with a bullet. Okay. Yes. Best friend of the deep dive, none other than Mr. Fabian Suma. Welcome back to the deep dive, sir. Guys, thanks for having me again. I'm looking forward to a great episode. All right. Uh, so, for those of you who are somewhat new to our podcast, uh, you can find our friend Suma at under at the S U U M A eight ten on Twitter. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And um, we go back uh, to probably might've been our first guest overall. Is that, um, I think, I think Suma was our first ever guest on the first deep dive. football guest. I think. First football. Oh, that's true. First football guest uh, back in, um, 
you know, the 2018 season. So it's been a couple so of years we were, now, we were so five young. or six episodes. You were on our most listened to episode of the preseason, uh, the episode where we broke down win totals and we talked about the win total market. And, um, and in general, probably the, the most important sounding board between, you know, the, the, in our little circle of friends here uh, to talk through NFL uh, betting information, impacts, injury impacts, uh, and, uh, you know, just modeling questions and, and things of that nature. So huge, hugely important part of the uh, social network that surrounds the deep dive. So I uh, appreciate you making time. It, I know it's late in Germany, but uh, it's an important week. So uh, important to have you on. And I guess before we get too much into these matchups, did you, how'd you do this season? Oh, pretty good. Um, I'm around, I think, 56.6% something plus 12 Ooh. units. Um, very decent year, can't complain. So very solid. Nice. And um, is that the I best? Out of, uh, what'd you do, Whale? Yeah, your... he's better. He's better than me. I'm at like plus six and a half or plus seven. I can't remember off the top. He's, of my head. he's got he's got me nicked too. But uh, we all all three of us we ended up plus money on the year. Yeah, we had some yeah. a couple nice futures too. I don't have counted in there yet, but uh, yeah, it's nice that we here we are. And we all want a little money on football, as hard as that is sometimes. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, congratulations. Yeah. What? Uh, any key takeaways, lessons learned for from the 2019 season, in your opinion? Actually, yes. Um, I think we had a lot of conversations throughout the season about closing line value. Um, I think we had that little joke going on, like um, CLB is cancelled. Um, because I think we all three had some really, really bad beats in terms of beating the closing number by a couple of points and then straight out losing the bet. Um, And I think because of all those bad beats, we were kind of biased towards um, those rare events. Um, But in the end, um, when when we do the tracking, um, I think closing line value still mattered mattered a lot this season, um, especially for me. Um, and I think that would be my biggest takeaway, despite all the talk about closing line value declining or something like that. Um, I think those NFL lines were still very efficient, um, lots of sharp moves. And in the end, um, yeah, CLV really mattered. Um, but however, um, I got to say that it mattered more for me personally, even though it's still a, s- a small sample size, more on NFL sides than on totals. Mm, interesting. Yeah. They have so we've got some... some phony total CLV out there, huh? Oh, yeah. Of, of, interesting. Exactly. Interesting. That, that uh, brings a different point up about totals. And, I mean, it answers itself, but should we even be betting sides? <laughs> because, I mean, just, without, just... Without, like, a specific injury angle, should we even be involved? Well, you go look, go look at Bookmaker right now. Let's pull up the NFL on Bookmaker. You try to <laughs> bet Niners minus seven under 44. Max max bet on Niners minus seven is $27,000, looks like, on Bookmaker. Okay. Max, max bet on the side, 5,500. Wire books. No, total on the total. Five, yeah, five on the, on, K, they're taking 5K on the total? 5K plus the juice on the total, 27K on the side. Why do you think that would be? <laughs> it's one of these markets harder to book. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's like this most places, but especially, you know, a sharper book like this, taking bigger limits, 
granted, wow, they're taking 25 grand this early in the week. That's a, yeah, I know. That's a big one. I mean, it's playoffs, you know? It is the playoffs. But yeah, it just it just does lend itself to and I haven't broken mine down by side total and everything yet. Oh, now I gotta do that too. I know I can't want to right. No, because because Suma's sentiment, I absolutely like in like you know d- deep down before I started looking at the numbers, like in my gut, I was like, oh yeah, no, I got burned on a bunch of plays that I had, you know, massive CLV this year. Um, and now that I think about it, they were all totals. Like I, you know, I had two three points on, you know, an over here or there uh, or an under here or there that didn't make it home, and you know, watched the game and it was like clearly the right side just didn't quite get the bounces. Uh, and yeah, for sure, those are the ones that stick with you. And for sure, you get uh, kind of um, what's the bias that that, that is informed by um, uh, hindsight bias, hindsight bias, or you know, just results based analysis. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's one. There's a specific bias that I'm that I'm not coming up with right now. Either way, um, yeah. And you know, the biggest clear and obvious CLV sides, CLV winners that I had on sides were injury related. You know, like you got down, you had a suspicion that uh, something wasn't right with Stafford, get down early on the Bears at minus two and a half. And lo and behold, it's Jeff Driscoll time and it's minus six and a half. Or, you know, then two weeks later, three weeks later, you just it's Groundhog Day there. And it's like, yeah, there's something not right with Driscoll. Let's get down on the Bears at, you know, at one and you blink and it's six, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, it's David Blau time. So and it, it um, could be availability heuristic or availability uh, okay. bias. Sure. Um, it's, it's one of those things that it, the example I, I read up on this a couple months ago, working on some stuff, the example like Wikipedia gives is people are more worried about shark attacks than part of a plane engine falling off and hitting them on the head, even though the latter is more likely to kill you it's because you, you, you hear about shark attacks. It's the same thing with your, your bad beats or even anyone's bad beats. You hear about the bad beats. There's segments on TV about bad beats. No yeah, one, there's no a one, loss aversion yeah, to this too. Yeah, there's no a one tells things, the stories yeah. about like, oh yeah, I won, I made the bet and it won by like uh, four or five points. Like that's yeah, not or, a good story. Yeah, right. Right. Or I had the wrong side and it won luckily and that makes me good. No, that's, that doesn't help you at all. So yeah. Okay. Well, um, all right. Uh, Suma, anything interesting about, uh, just the way you approach modeling football, anything about the market itself that you thought was, uh, was noteworthy in 2019 did. And I guess I never really asked you, what did you, what did you do about home field advantage this year? Um, I, I just approached it like I always, uh, like I thought I would uh, before the season starts. Um, like, um, I think, um, seven to eight percent um, to the home field, uh, to the home team. Um, I didn't really adjust um, because, well, I, NFL is a small sample size, and even though home field advantage um, didn't really come into play this year, we could easily go back to fifty-eight percent um, next year. So I didn't really put a huge emphasis on that. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. Well, should we dive into this divisional round? Yes. Have you guys made bets yet? Yes. Have you guys bet on all four <laughs> games like me? Uh, yeah, I have. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess, but I guess we did a good job. I thought of kind of qualifying our futures position and how that you know influenced our decision making before the playoffs started. Anything in your what portfolio for futures? Again? I know, I know, but you know what I mean. Like, hey, assume anything uh, in your futures portfolio that's affecting your decision making about uh, these games. Uh, no, I only played win totals um, with with so little profit, um, but I have no long 
long futures going on right now. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're going game by game. You're looking at this with a clean slate. I like that. Um, yes. We'll circle in at the end and get your opinion on what the Super Bowl matchup and the winner will be, but we will keep people in suspense. And uh, Andy, why don't you tee up this uh, first game with your hometown team? Oh yeah. Big surprise here. Boy, I feel like we wasted time and maybe we should write this down for next year as we sat and, you know, during the preview pods we did here in the last few weeks in scopes, we were breaking down, you know, what, what's it going to be like when we get, you know, saints going up to green Bay and we did all these hypotheticals and like none of them happened. It was a weird weekend. So we'll waste our time on that this next year, but we got Minnesota going to San Francisco, which was the, obviously the biggest, there's the biggest underdog last week. They got it done with a very perfect game. And like we were saying off air, Whenever I make a bet, and I know you guys use this exercise in various ways yourself, I try to take myself out of it and make a case for the other team. Like, go find something. Go hunt down these stats or something that makes you want to take the other side of the number, whether it's a total or side. And I am I am struggling to find something for me to like about Minnesota this week. And it just And this was before this afternoon's injury report. Like I was, I was all morning looking for something I loved about Minnesota. You know, they they are building off a a nice win, but again, it's San Francisco at home with extra rest versus Minnesota off six days and more injuries. While and on the other end of the spectrum, San Francisco's getting more back. And Quan Alexander was a huge blow to that defense, caused them a, a big uptick in points per game they gave up, I thought. And, yeah, I'm I'm sitting here 100% – I did. I just – I mean, I fired on San Francisco just now because I think 6.5 isn't coming back and it's just going to get spendier from here. So, Suma, your thoughts, if you haven't uh, – if I didn't already make, say everything you agreed with. I agree with everything. <laughs> I, uh, I played um, San Francisco minus six and a half on Monday. So um, I think it's going to be some great CLV. Um, however, um, I think there are three components to my handicap. One, the, the, the one you already mentioned, um, Kyle Shanahan, 13 days to prepare for that Mike Zimmer um, defense without any real cornerback threat. Um, now Xavier Rhodes, he had that shoulder injury. Don't know whether he's 100%, but I think Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel are very good matchups, and you can't really cover um, the beast at tight end. So I think matchup wise, um, the Niners do really match up well offensively, in my opinion. Um, Kyle Shannon is really is a guy who picks on tendencies, picks on weak spots on the opposing defense. And I think he's going to run circles around Mike Zimmer, even though Zimmer had a really good um, defensive performance against the Saints. Um, yeah, then home field advantage, 13 days to six, um, travel in between from New Orleans to Minnesota, then all the way up to the West Coast. Um, I think that's a significant disadvantage for the Vikings. Um, and I think... I think I made the number um, minus seven to minus seven five, so somewhere in between. Um, and I think that six and a half early in the week was probably an overreaction to the Vikings upset um, at New Orleans. Um, I think Mike Zimmer coached his ass off. He had some really good defensive play calls, like lining up um, 
um, Hunter and Griffin on those guards, um, getting inside inside pressure. Um, Cousins made some really good big plays. Um, Drew Brees was basically shut down for three quarters, and that game still went to overtime. So um, it was a great upset, um, really surprising upset. But in the end, I think the, the this Niners team is still too much for the Vikings and. And now, um, in hindsight, we know that Stefan Dix hasn't practiced two days. Um, Adam Thielen might be out with an ankle injury. So it's not really looking good for the Vikings here. And I'm very glad with six and a half in my pocket. Nice. Yeah, that, and Mackenzie Alexander having surgery now. I mean, he's he's there was talk of him maybe being available, but that kind of puts the kibosh on that. And then the the injury, like you said, to Xavier Rhodes, who knows what that shoulder felt like after the game. I don't know. Was he on the injury report today? I uh, No, he was full. He was full, he I was guess. Full. All right. So that's, I mean, he still sucks. But <laughs> yeah. Now. Same, same thing with Mike, you know, Mike yeah. Hughes. Like, Mike Hughes in or out? Well, either way, he sucks. Like, he's been getting toasted. Um, yeah, we saw and we talked ad nauseum about this this season. Breeze not being able to throw downfield. Jimmy has a better arm at this point, even if he's not as good of a quarterback or decision maker. I, I don't have a lot of great things to say about Jimmy Garoppolo as a whole, but I think I would take Jimmy Garoppolo and that receiving core over Drew Breeze and his receiving core slightly. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Drew Breeze because he's a you know he's a genius. He's a very good decision maker for this matchup for sure. But for the yeah, for this matchup to expose a secondary that can be beaten over the top, that was that's the caveat I needed. Thank you, Will. That to beat these guys over the top, which you can do, this is this is the matchup that's gonna be just perfect for San Francisco. So what do you got, Mr. Drew? Well, I agree with you guys. I am also on San Francisco here. I laid the seven, I got it in at plus one oh four-ish, and it's minus one oh one as we record. That is still obviously a play. Um, not by that much. Um, but yeah, no, I think laying the seven with the Niners is a fair is a fair play. My uh my true price on this one's like Suma is seven and a half. Uh, and I'm with you guys on, you know, the likelihood that we get, um, you know, a B performance or better out of the Niners is high and the likelihood that we get anywhere close to the level performance we saw against the Saints last week out of the Vikings is low because of the injuries as noted because of the matchups as noted. I think you guys hit that well. Um, and I guess you you teed it up at the off the offset that you couldn't really make a case for the Vikings. I guess I'll I guess I will try for the for the sake of just kind of a complete round handicap. Oh, I yeah, will I try. Forgot. I was going to make you do devil's um, advocate on us. Yeah, I'll be red team here, which is ironically, will, I'll be purple team. Um, the Niners don't really have much of a home field advantage. Uh, the field of genes does not manifest much in the way of really dis- disrupting the. Uh, uh, the Vikings offensive line. The Vikings offensive line last week acquitted themselves fairly, even in the super duper loud Superdome. Um, granted, uh, Riley Reef got beat like a drum by Cam uh, Cam Jordan, but you know I think that there's not a huge leap in terms of oh well now you got to go against a much tougher player. Cam Jordan is you know absolute all pro in my opinion, um, and you know now you have uh, a little bit you know more at, you know better. Uh, environment in terms of just being able to hear the snap count and you know make uh make coverage you know make um 
uh, you know, protection adjustments. Uh, on top of that, you have uh, a Vikings offense uh, that has a dynamic set of tight ends. Uh, and we have seen certain teams come up with a tight end uh, focused package that has hurt the uh, hurt the Niners. And uh, I can particularly remember Jared Cook just absolutely gashing the Niners on a couple of plays before he went out with a concussion against the uh, uh, when they played the the Saints um, for sure. Uh, Mark Andrews and the uh, the approach that the Ravens used, you know, focusing on the tight ends was effective against the the Niners in that game. And yes, Quan Alexander wasn't playing in those games, and that's huge. <laughs> but uh, to expect him to be 100% have his game legs under him, I think, is asking a lot uh, coming off of his extended absence. Um, and yeah, I think the Niners defense that we saw over the first half of the season, while they were incredible in terms of pass rush, they generated an you know an amazing you know if if that unit shows up and they're going up against Kirk Cousins then good night it's game over like you know it doesn't matter if Diggs and Thielen are out there and healthy like Kirk Cousins is just not going to look like the same quarterback we saw last week if he's consistently under pressure um but you know it's it's been a long time since they were fully healthy and they were able to generate consistent pressure and I don't know that just all of a sudden reintroducing V Ford and Quan Alexander is enough uh to turn them into the you know the the unit that we saw over the first eight weeks of the season on the other side of the ball, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo first ever playoff start, always a difficult time, uh, getting super involved with a quarterback, making his first ever playoff start. Now I know Jimmy Garoppolo has been the backup quarterback in multiple super bowls, uh, including two super bowl victories, right? Uh, he's got rings, but, but it's different when you're the guy that is asked to, uh, you know, lead the entirety of your, you know, your franchise's hopes. And, you know, where he, Jimmy Garoppolo is strong is entirely in what Kyle Shanahan crafts for him and getting a first look for him that is the right look. And if for whatever reason it takes multiple, um, you know, quarters for them to figure out the right look against this Vikings defense, which is played up, uh, play, you know, kept kept a lid on uh, the Saints last week. Then you could see uh, you could see a little bit of a sweat here for us Niners backers. Um, but I don't expect you see Jimmy G come out and you know puke all over his shoes and you know th- give away three picks and you know put put the um, Niners into a, a hole that they have to then dig themselves out of, which is really the only game script where I'm worried about them covering seven. To be honest. Um, so. Yeah. Any concern on your part, Andy, about Jimmy G making his first ever playoff start? Yeah, that's not. Uh, I guess that is the one. The one thing you could uh, knock on him. Like we we've seen a couple quarterbacks that were a little nervous. As we get to that later, too, that's something I thought about with uh, a couple of these other quarterbacks. Just like I'm not worried about them late late in the game. But at the same point, like, do, do we do we want to call? You know, where do, where is Kirk Cousins? Let's take the eight quarterbacks for this weekend. Where does Kirk, because I said Kurt, because I still think that's funny. Kurt. Where, you know, where does he fit in the hierarchy? I put him just above. Even if you want to go to the 12 that we started with, he's not in the top half as far as, you know, trusting him in a, in a game. You know, you've got these guys that have, that have been here, done this. Like, he's a, he's a veteran quarterback, but it's not like he has all this playoff experience. You know, the big game, whatever, if you want to play that narrative, I'm – I'm I'm not putting a ton of trust in him to put together two three good games here. Even though I do have a, a, some Vikings liability from before the season, glad I didn't go big on that because the team 
wasn't quite as good as I'd hoped. Um, the last point I will make, and again, it's it's not for the Vikings. It's one more against them. The the team speed, especially in the linebacking and the front four, it's a bunch. It's a bunch. Like it's way different than the Saints. They are much faster. You get a healthy Quan, healthy D. The the zone runs are just not going to go as well against this defense. They're going to be able to slow them down. The feeling it's going to end up like Shoot, a game. the grass is going to slow them down. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're going to. They have to play outdoors, and just the team speed from the San Francisco defense is going to be much different than we saw from the Saints. And I, I don't think the run game is going to go nearly as well as Minnesota hopes. So. Hmm. What's uh, Sumo? What's your take on Cousins? Would you agree with Andy's statement there? And I guess the Cousins Stefanski as a combo. Do, you, do you, are you are you drinking the same Kool Aid that some of the kind of the media folks and the analytics folks are about this too? Um, I still have some reservations because um, I think we have all the talk about the scheme and I think Kirk Cousins um, has played overall a really good season, no doubt about it, but um, it's still Mike Zimmer's philosophy. And um, for example, they have the second highest run rate on second and 10 plus um, in a situation where you really should not run the ball at all. Um, So there are some reservations from an analytical standpoint, in my opinion, um, because I can't really trust that coaching staff um, to come out and just attack opposing weaknesses because they always want to run the ball first, um, set up play action, um, no matter the defensive opponent. Um, that's my feeling when watching those games very often. Um, and I also think when I put when I had to put down a hierarchy about these eight quarterbacks and who I trust with the ball in his hands in the last two minutes, I'd probably put Cousins at um, seventh. Mm. Who below him? For uh, Tannehill. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, that's over Rodgers. I know, I'm starting to rank <laughs> Aaron Rodgers isn't the eighth best quarterback in the round? I don't have him that much higher. I think he's fifth or sixth. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, Suma, if I gave you a free play on the total, are you going over or under 44? I would go under, um, especially with the recent information about Dix and Thielen. Um, I think if the Niners score early and the Vikings have to have to play that um, simple dropback offense with with these many under center dropbacks from Cousins against the pass rush, I think um, that's not gonna work out well. And um, yeah, let's say. Uh, Thielen is out and Stefan Diggs because of his illness can only play like 80% of the snaps Sherman takes away one half of the, of the game or the pass rush um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they are shorthanded at receiver I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings um, don't are, are not able to um, to touch the 20 here so um, I, could, I could see a score of 27-14 something like that so, because because I really think that the Niners are gonna score easily, um, and then you get that um, run first play action offense out of the rhythm, out of their philosophy, and um, Cousins in a straight drop back game that's not gonna work out well. Mm. Twenty seven for the Niners seem a little low to you, Andy? Eh, not really. That's kind of right in the. I think that's right in the wheelhouse. I think the total. The total is pretty sharp, especially on the Niners' side. I think where the total is going to come into play is how much Minnesota can score. I yeah, think yeah. right in the right in the twenty-five to thirty-point range for 
for the Niners, and then the total's going to depend on what Minnesota does. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the total were in the in the balance at the end with maybe a garbage touchdown, which there's no such thing as real true garbage in the playoffs because teams don't quit, but it might be a, a touchdown that doesn't affect the spread that may affect the total. Hmm. Good point. I'm kind of dying this San Francisco team total over to add to my portfolio this week, I got to tell you. Um, they've had some offensive explosions at home this season. Um, in fact, I am only seeing the Falcons game as it's sort of the one uh, game where they underachieve from a scoring standpoint at home. And that one was the, you know, the week coming off of two weeks on the road and the 48-46 you know, barn burner against the Saints. Otherwise, this team is averaging like 29, 30 points at home. Yeah, I might be a little worried about end of the game script if they are because I I don't, I, you know I'm glad I didn't bet Minnesota or bet the Saints last week. I almost did in a teaser, but uh, I don't know if I see it being super competitive, and it could be a really frustrating fourth quarter if they're up like you know twenty six ten. Even though the Vikings will be going for it at all costs and you may yeah. get some short fields. I just, I really like the Niners with their two running backs being able to grind out, grind out a long possession. Like I, I don't, that's what, and that's another reason why I do like the Niners on the handicap. Like they can, they can grind out a long drive. I think, especially against this Minnesota defense, short stuff runs, you have multiple backs. You can cycle in like they can, they can control the clock in the second half of the lead. Yeah. Hmm. I'm kind of. I'm, I'm with you. It's close. Play. I may still play it. Uh, we'll think. We'll see. Um, okay. Well, let's move to the nightcap. It's a. Uh, it's probably. I don't know. Is this the fourth best game, Andy? Oof, yeah, probably. Like, okay. I'm excited to watch. I like. I love watching Lamar Jackson. That that part oh, yeah. is fun. Oh yeah. No, I think Lamar Jackson earned uh, earned prime time. Absolutely. Uh, week in, week out, he was probably the most singularly the most entertaining player to watch in the NFL this season. Um, Baltimore Ravens, number one in the AFC with a bullet, uh, riding a 12-game win streak. Most of those wins, not particularly competitive. A um, couple of primetime uh, spots we saw the Ravens in this year. They were amazing. Uh, they you know blew the doors off the paths. They utterly pantsed the Rams in prime time. Um, this is a good looking. Uh, who else did they do? They did the Jets too. The Jets in prime time. They hung like forty two or something on them. Uh, yeah. they, this is a this is a dynamic offense that is clicking on all cylinders. No other way to put it. Um, I only that, like honestly like they can only slow themselves down. Like they can have an off game. You know, Lamar Jackson could be tight. You know, he could be nervous. He could overthrow some guys. He could be, you know, he could lack um, a little bit of touch on his ball just because he's so amped up. But if he's himself, I don't know what, in what universe uh, the Titans are competing in this one. Uh, a little bit of scoreboard pressure on the Titans, I feel like unravels them and what they would like to do as far as an approach here. Uh, all of the glowing coverage of Travis Henry and his performance last week, I feel like is entirely. Did you just uh, call him Travis Henry? History. 
did I? Yeah, excuse me, Derek Henry. Uh, <laughs> we brought up a lot of Travis Henry last. I know week. we did. I know that was in the back of my head. We talked about Travis Henry way too much on the scope. Um, but that, but, but that aside, um, Derek Henry and a lot of the glowing coverage and a lot of the kind of uh, you know positive stuff that was said and written about him, I feel like was informed by you know somebody needed to get credit for that Titans win. And you look at the box score, and obviously Travis yeah. Henry's number was the most impressive. Uh, but uh, I feel like to a degree, the Pats let him have it in the first half. The Pats were like, okay, we are going to focus our entire defensive approach on stopping uh, the play action passing game with Ryan Tannehill. We are going to erase AJ Brown and we are going to force you to beat us while also eating out the clock, which is going to put you in a bad spot when we come back and run our offense and score on your weak defense. Part B of that never manifest. However, Patriots only were able to get 13 points in the first half and were held scoreless in the second half. Uh, and I feel like to a degree at halftime, the Patriots defense said, okay, well, Tannehill is not beating us even if we do focus on stopping him. So let's switch up our defensive approach a little bit and, you know, and smother uh, Derrick Henry. And it worked. I think there was a tale of two halves with Derrick Henry's output and his performance. And like, there was a I lot like of the second half. Right now. A lot of the second half was... Uh, was just you know three no fun you know no fun a couple yards in a cloud of dust for the amazing Derrick Henry and his body blows and his nobody wants to tackle him like all that stuff that I've been hearing this week I just shake my head at that said uh, <laughs> good luck if it's 14 nothing good luck you know running your offense through Derrick Henry in this game Titans you know best of luck to you um, I do not know uh, in any way, shape, or form, what matchup in this game favors the Titans? Uh, the um, you know the I guess their defense, Dean Pease, has done a decent job against mobile quarterbacks, against Greg Roman specifically in his in a past life. Um, he tends to run a defense that offers um, you know kind of disguised coverages. You're rotating guys all you know, all throughout the secondary, so you're not a hundred percent sure what the coverage is when you snap the ball. Um, but I don't think that's going to matter. I don't think that the the Ravens necessarily need to hit home runs to get this win. I think if they just run their base offense with their dynamic running attack, that you know, there's not really any likelihood uh, that they get stopped very often. I would be surprised if the if the Ravens punt much in the first half of this game. I would, you know, this is all of the makings, in my opinion, of what we saw against the Rams, what we saw against the Texans, where it was like every time they got the ball, they scored a touchdown. With all that said, I laid the points with the Ravens. It's a nine and a half now. It's going to be 10 by kickoff. It might be 10 and a half by kickoff. Uh, I don't think you should wait if you like the Ravens like we like the Ravens, but uh, there's got to be a case to be made for the Titans in some way, shape, or form. Uh, anything on your uh, on your plate, Suma, that you think uh, favors the Titans in this matchup? I can't find any any good matchup for the Titans. No, not, not a single one. I agree with everything you have just said. Um, I played um, minus nine. Um, I made it minus ten, five, minus eleven, and I really don't don't didn't understand the line early in the week on Monday. Um, I think Pinnacle was down to minus eight. Um, I really don't understand the line. Um, must be some some people over overreacted to that upset against the Patriots. I don't really know. Um, I think the line will absolutely close minus ten, minus ten and a half, and. There's not really anything to like about um, the Titans in this one. I think that Ravens' defense, uh, offense is going to run and thro throw all over them. Um, um, and yeah, 
it, it was really funny. The Twitter was all over. Oh, Derrick Henry rushed for 182 yards against the Patriots. Um, he, he cruised them to victory. Um, to be honest, if the Patriots score one field goal in the second half, we all we all talk about Ryan Tannehill's <laughs> seven passing yards, not yes. about Derrick Henry at all. So yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, Titans did everything they needed to do. Um, it worked out for them. Teams who score 14 points and win 15% of the time. <laughs> so it worked yeah. out for them. But I don't really see any favorable game script um, against the Ravens. Um, there's that metric, um, serious success rate. Um, the the um, Basically saying how often you turn a set of downs into a new first down or a touchdown. Um, and a friend of mine ran those numbers today. And, and since 2009, guess who's the number one offense in that metric? The 2019 Ravens. Um, wow. In all of that decade. Yes. Um, oh my I don't really see anyone stopping the team um, defensively. I think you need some luck. Um, maybe some turnover luck. Um, and offensively, the Titans... They won't be able to run the ball through Derrick Henry because they are going to be down by 21 if they really try to establish a run. Um, and the Ravens, Rick Martin, that he's going to send so many blitzes against the play-action game. Um, as soon as Ryan Tannehill turns his body from under center, he's going to have Earl Thomas or some nickelback in his face. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great matchup for the Ravens. I took the Ravens and I don't really um, get that number early in the week. We agree. Uh, Andy, if this game was being played in Tennessee instead of Baltimore, what would the line be? I don't know. Just move it by six, I suppose. <clears throat> Actually, you we're giving them probably a home field, a little bit of a bump because it's a, because it is a, yeah, a playoff game. Yeah, let's assume the Baltimore is getting four. Yeah, let's assume Baltimore is getting mean, yeah, four. You're probably adjusted by seven. Boy, you could be Baltimore minus three and a half, minus four. Something along those lines. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, no. Like, like we <laughs> we we've said we've both said this. Like our numbers even higher than Sumas. Yeah, I made this. Ele- I made this eleven and change. You made it thirteen. Yeah, it felt right. silly. I bet a nine. I got a nice flat nine. I'm gonna have to look at exactly what my number was. I got nine somewhere bookmaker. I think earlier in the week. This is yeah, no brainer bet. Yeah, you talk, you know, Fabian talked about how successful they are getting first downs. They punted 2.6 times per game. These are <laughs> there are games. They're, yeah, they're this the includes best. this includes last week when they weren't really playing a game. This includes end of game scenarios where they're up 50 to nothing versus Miami. They're up a billion versus Houston. I mean, this doesn't take any context garbage time. 2.6 <laughs> times per game. There's a bunch of teams that punted four or five times a game on average. Oh, sure. 2.6 times per half, I'm sure. Yeah. The, oh, the Jets are over double that. Yeah. Like that is that is amazing efficiency on offense, and it comes down to the coaching. They're not scared. They've got their nerd upstairs that's telling them, <laughs> like, I'm pissed. Again, I'm still pissed because that was my idea. And then we find out, like, it's one of those things, like, when you invent something and you Google it, 900 people are selling it already. <laughs> it was my idea earlier in the year. Every football team should have a nerd up in the box running the numbers, telling them, yeah, you should go for this, or you should you should kick this field goal based on this, this, and that. And 
Uh, obviously, you know, having Lamar Jackson and having Greg Roman running this offense that's just tailor fit for him has been great. But using the analytics and when they do go for it on fourth and as aggressive they are, that's that's a big part of why they don't punt. I can't make a case for anything for Tennessee. If this gets backdoored, that's how it loses. Like a couple of garbage touchdowns, uh, you know, a, a garbage touchdown with an onside and another one. I don't know. I don't see this being particularly close. You talked about how the Patriots approached it defensively in the second uh, the second half. I think Baltimore will obviously be doing that. They have just as good of a secondary, I think. Better, maybe. Yeah, it might even be better at this point. It's really come along with the trade. With just the, you know the, the I guess the getting to know each other period of this defense, they've gotten better as the season's gone on, and especially in the secondary, they're great right now. They can take away the passing game, and they you know the, this defense is going to key in on the run game. If they stop Derrick Henry in any way, shape, or form, this game could be a kind of a bad game. <laughs> like it could be a blowout. <laughs> they've done this several times. I uh, uh, devil's advocate making a case for. Tennessee, Derrick Henry, AJ, and these are studs. They're good players. Good players find ways to make it happen against good defenses. Um, I don't know if Tannehill is going to be able to do it against a great defense. I mean, just this is a tough spot. We're, I mean, we're going to talk about this four times. The other team had two weeks off. Essentially, they had three weeks off. Um, there is a caveat to this because Houston played, you know, a lot of backups. This is the fifth straight week that Tennessee will play a division winner, mm. which is kind of wild if you think about it. Third it straight week on a road too, right? Third, yeah, that, and that's how I found that. I was looking, I'm like, God, they, they are a third straight road game. Fifth straight week playing a good team. It's it's difficult. This is going to be a very difficult spot for them, and that's why the line is you know up to 10 again. A mm. couple of fun notes I had. Uh, we noted, and Suma noted, I thought, well, yes, if – the Pats put together one fourth quarter drive and kick. You know, Julian Edelman catches the that ball, uh, and you know they move into field goal territory and win sixteen to fourteen. We're all talking about wow, Tannehill, what a stinker! Uh, it is very rare uh, that you throw for under hundred passing yards in the playoffs and win. In fact, there are only what five examples, Andy? I sent you that list. Uh, there are only five examples of a team. Throwing for under 100 passing yards and yet getting a win. Ironically, twice against the Pats. <laughs> Joe Flacco <laughs> Joe Flacco did it with uh, Ray Rice going for like 200 yards rushing uh, back in the day, like 2009. Um, but uh, you might also then wonder, okay, well, what happens in the next game? Like if your quarterback is completely lacking confidence in the playoffs like and has one of these utter stinkers but still gets the win, like does that take some of the pressure off? Maybe he performs well the next game? Not really. There's only one example of that, and that was uh, Blake Bortles uh, against the uh, the Steelers, and that was a very different defense and a very different matchup, in my opinion. Um, but uh, traditionally, the uh, the poor quarterback play, but getting the win, uh, the team ends up getting uh, pretty much smothered the following week in the playoffs, going back to about 2000. So, uh, not a lot of historical precedent for feeling positive about the Titans in their situation here. Um, that said, are we missing anything, Suma? Is there any chance that uh, Ravens have a little rust, not really playing for three weeks? I don't really think so. And 
Another thing I, I found out last week, what I found interesting, um, I think um, Ryan Tannehill has been one of the most efficient passers this last season after he came in. Um, but, however, when you filter out um, garbage time, the passing offense in terms of expected points added per play or per dropback is actually just around league average. So he really did all the damage in like garbage time when the Titans were running the ball and he and they just called some some play action bombs when the opposing defenses were playing run. Um, and so between 10 and 90 percent win percentage, that dropback offense has just been league average. Um, so I think those performances throughout the year are still a little bit or very overrated um, in terms of the passing game. It's also worth noting he didn't play any good defenses. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and they were just yeah. so crazy, yeah. crazy historically. You know, I talk about the historic punting numbers. They were historically good in the red zone. Which yeah. I got I got to give them credit. They called great plays in the red zone. You Arthur see, Smith, best maybe, offensive coordinator in the well, NFL. You give, you give him Derrick Henry, and and I don't know. I I wasn't like down on that offensive line. It's a decent offensive line. So I, they called the right plays in the red zone. They were super efficient. They're best in the league in the red zone. But again, when you're playing bad defenses, you hit some of that play action, get down there, and then you just pound Henry three, four, five times, and all of a sudden you're in the end zone. It'll be much tougher going up to Baltimore and doing mm, this. Okay. Uh, Suma, any opinion on the total here? If I was to say make a case for the full game over, full game under, or either team total over under, what do you think is the best angle of attack? What are the current team totals? Uh, Tennessee is about 17. Um, 29 for the Ravens, uh, or 28 for the Ravens. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the quick math. So correct me if I'm wrong, Andy. I don't know if you have the odds it's up. Not, it's say not great. 17 and a half, 28 and a half. Yeah. Um, I worry. I worry about you today. You were uh, a little, what is, what, is, what, what are you said Derek Henry like five times. And then you said, eat out the play clock. Whatever. Which is just a weird way. This is my I'm third like, show I'm today, like, dude. I know. I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at dimes right now. So for this one, we're showing Ravens, and these are both minus one tens, both sides. Ravens are twenty eight and a half. Tennessee's seventeen and a half. That was what I just said. You said seventeen and twenty nine. Okay. Well, that's what I would have made it. <laughs> what do you think, Suma? Any angle of attack on this? Under? Can, I, can I, we get under seventeen and a half on Tennessee? I think I would I would lean Tennessee under and Ravens over because um, that serious success rate thing. It's just that even though the Ravens might run out the clock in the second half if they score twenty four points, they just, they just can't be stopped when running out the clock because they're just too good. And even if they run out the clock and they get to like um, fourth and two at midfield, John Harbour is gonna go for it um, and. I think I couldn't bet the under on the Ravens, and I would rather bet the over on their team total. Andy, uh, does the weather play a factor at all? Warm weather, rain, likely. Yeah, it's looking like a little bit of precip possible, but it's not going to be cold. When I pulled up all the weather, it said it, it's going to be warmer in Baltimore than it is in San Francisco. That's bizarre. Absolutely strange. Yeah, I don't know if I was looking at something wrong. It was like no, no, it's right. like. 
Baltimore, no, the Baltimore, nighttime Florida. Temp in ba- no, the nighttime temp in Baltimore is going to be warmer than the daytime in San Francisco. Yeah, that city's weird. Like, it's cold by the water. Usually. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's going to be in the 60s, and it's going to be raining. Does that impact the total at all? I don't think so. It, it probably affects it to the over. If it's wet, I still think rain, I still think rain benefits an offense. Because okay. offensive players know where they're headed. Defensive players are reactionary. And it's a lot easier to slip if you don't know where you're going. Man. Mm. 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 But I don't think it's a huge effect. I think that totals right where it needs to be. There's a ton of uncertainty. I don't love totals in games that I feel like could turn into blowouts because you get some weird end of game situations that are super deviant. Absolutely true. There is no doubt about that. Um, okay. Well, that's it. I kind of leaned under but i stayed away um and i'm leaning under because i think 17 and a half is almost impossible for the titans um i have their median projected score coming in at 14 uh and i have their ceiling at about 17 or so that uh yeah let's go 45-3 baltimore ravens Let's move on to the host, the host, the AFC title game. What, to, what um, time are these? I got to pull that up too. The game, these games are not at the same time slots as we had for Wild Card Weekend, are they? We have a so this is going to be three p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So yeah, we're going to have a three and a six forty Eastern. A little later. Uh, sorry to uh, our European people. Got to stay up even later for two days in a row. You better not sleep through any of these. But uh, uh, Houston, Kansas, <laughs> we'll see. Houston, Kansas City. And this is we thought we were going to get Houston. I almost want to take a step back, Whale. Would you rather have bet Baltimore versus Houston? <sighs> no, I like the matchups we got. Yeah. I, I feel like we got cheated a little, not seeing someone actually truly cut the head off the pets. Um, I feel like this is very, very, very much a seed change in the AFC. I mean, for the foreseeable future, Baltimore and Kansas City will will rule this conference, right? Yeah. Mahomes and Jackson is setting itself up for um, a true and impressive rivalry for Burrow. years to come. And I would have loved one of the two to be able to just absolutely cut the head off Tom Brady in the playoffs. And instead, he whimpered out against the Tennessee Titans, which was very disappointing. Yeah, anticlimactic. At the beginning of the week, when we did run into this matchup, I was kind of mad. I didn't want. I wanted Houston to go to Baltimore. I thought I had some angles there, but yeah. Now that you mention it, and as the weeks gone by, and obviously I bet Baltimore as well, I'm I'm more than happy to uh, to have that matchup. I think it does match up well, and it gives us a possibly a pretty fun game down in Kansas City. Uh, you had the weather up. Are we still looking at possible possible anything down there? It's, <laughs> it's gonna be cool. Wind's gonna be up a little, but not so much that you have to really be worried about it. I don't think. Yeah, and it's so sunny. This, and sunny. sunny. Yeah. yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous up here when the sun's out, and then it goes behind a cloud, and all of a sudden you remember it's fifteen degrees. So cold Arrowhead, tough place to go in the playoffs. Houston, they, they did get a home game. You know, it's not like a second straight roadie like some of these teams, but still a super tough matchup. I mean, just the the obvious Andy Reid off a of bye, Andy Reid against a defense that can be exposed by speed outside. And Patrick's Mahomes and gang. It's uh, I did take the over in this when it was forty-eight and a half. It's up. It's ticked up a little, and there's a little dissension on the podcast about this total. But 
I, I don't see a world where we don't end up somewhere, somewhere in the forties in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, I, I, I can see, I, I don't, you don't win every bet. That's the worst part about, <laughs> that's the worst part about doing this, losing 45% of the time, but just the situation dictates more often than not, this, this game is somewhere in the fifties in the fourth quarter. So Suma, what say you on the Houston KC matchup? Yeah, I think we have a Minnesota German consensus here. I got over 49. Uh, it's currently 51, two points already. Very cool. Um, yeah, so I think um, that game sets up perfectly for many points um, and also game script wise because I think that with Will Fuller back, really can't believe even though it's possible that Bill O'Brien is going to be that stupid again um, and just doesn't let Deshaun Watson cook on the ground and through the air. Um, the Chiefs defense has been really good this year, especially especially the coverage on the back end, the secondary. Um, I think they are borderline top 10 in past DBRA. Um, so that has been good. However, they had their best performances against bad offenses because defensive performances are not a lot of signal, more noise, and they are more dependent on the opposing offenses. And for, for instance, if you pull out um, coverage, grade, coverage grades for the Kansas City defense from Pro Football Focus, and if you sort them from top to bottom and you look at the top half, um, the best eight games for the Chiefs' defense were against um, Derek Carr, um, Nick Foles, Philip Rivers twice, um, Broncos, I think that was Drew Lott, Derek Carr, Mitch Trubisky, and Joe Flacco. Um, so these games were the best defensive output for the Chiefs. Um, they played bad quarterbacks, and now we get to their eight worst defensive performances in terms of coverage grade. Ravens, Vikings, Packers, Patriots, Texans, Lions with Stafford, and Titans with Tannehill. So um, I think if you have a good offense, you can still put up a lot of points on that um, defense, especially when Andy Reid of a bye week and Patrick Mahomes are cooking on offense. I don't really think the Texas defense can throw anything at them. Um, I don't like the secondary. JJ Watt is back, sure, but um, it's, it's still Patrick Mahomes and other than JJ Watt, they don't really have that strong front seven that gets quickly to the passer. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really think that the Chiefs could easily put out 30 points here. Um, then you have the Texans chasing a lead with Will Fuller and Hopkins, more play action, more passes, hopefully. And, yeah, I really like that offensive setup, and I wouldn't be surprised if that game lands somewhere in the mid to late um, 50s. Hmm. Well, let's hear it. Hmm. Well, how does this stay under? I want to hear your take. <laughs> this is a classic case of uh, fake total CLV. Classic case. Those two points. I've had a few fake, of those this year. Fake, 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 fake. <laughs> um, no, I think I'm I'm being somewhat facetious. Um, but uh, I guess we know we're focusing on we're we're zo- zeroing in so much on the total here. I think the side is fair. Uh, I thought earlier this week when we recorded our Sunday pod, I was like, you know, oh man, you know, I'm 
looking at two favorites to back on Saturday, like one of these dogs has got to cover. Right. And I was trying to talk myself up and talk myself into Houston being live and using some narrative bullshit, like all oh, the, you know, pressures off them. Now they can play loose, you know, and I, I kind of realized as I kind of thought through that, that was all pretty silly nonsense. Uh, and in reality, Houston doesn't really have a great matchup against these guys and Houston's offense. I find to be extremely basic. Uh, Houston's offense has been struggling throughout the course of the season to score with consistency related to how many yards they are gaining. And this is not an accident. This is a full-on Bill O'Brien special. He leaves points on the field. You guys know this. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Bill O'Brien will have opportunities to score in this game, and instead he will elect to punt. Bill O'Brien will have clear and obvious opportunities to extend drives, to put pressure on the Chiefs, and instead he will give them the ball back, expecting his defense to go out there and make miraculous plays. He will take points off of the board for the Texans. Similarly, what do we know about Andy Reid? Does not know how to manage the clock appropriately, I believe, entirely. End of first half, end of game, uh, he will make mistakes that will leave points on the field. Uh, and so right there, right then and there, you're talking about two coaches that I do not believe will maximize their expected point output given how many yards they can potentially gain against each other's defenses. I think the Kansas City defense is being wildly overlooked. Uh, we've talked about this a lot down the stretch. I agree that Suma's points were valid. Um, a lot of their you know, good performances and a lot of their good metrics have come against bad teams. But they're also a lot of that has been Late in this season, it has taken this defense a long time uh, to kind of come into what Spagnolo has, you know, vision for what he wants to do with them. And down the stretch, they played phenomenally well. I think that uh, they held down, you know, th- their performance against a couple of the, uh, um, you know, a couple of the key in, in key games down the stretch. Uh, I felt like the Kansas City defense really did most of the heavy lifting. It wasn't necessarily the uh, the offense that got them the wins. Uh, and, you know, there is a specific, couple specific matchups that I think can keep the Kansas City offense a little bit in check here. Um, it's pretty popular and common to look at the season-long statistics for the Texans and think this defense stinks. Um, but they've covered uh, a hell of a lot better with Roby on the field with, uh, you know, and, and in the... Uh, uh, aftermath of the trade with the Raiders for that uh, guy whose name I continue to forget. Um, Andy, do you remember his name? <laughs> Who do you think Ray had trade with for the Raiders? Gary and Conley. G- Gary and Conley. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why his difference. Yeah, I don't know why his presence made a difference, but for sure. Um, they had performed a hell of a lot better in coverage with him on the field than they did previously. Uh, and their blueprint is somewhat out on how you limit Mahomes in terms of hitting home runs. You contain him. You keep him in the pocket. You do not let him roll out, especially let him break the pocket and roll out to the right. If he is trying to accomplish that in this game, he is going to roll himself right into J.J. Watt, a guy who in the second half of that game against the Bills, I thought performed way above expected level uh if watt is good to go in this game playing at that level especially down the stretch i would expect that you see an awful lot of uh you know those types of plays turn into sacks and throwaways as opposed to 40 yard completions to tyree killer or mccole hardman so uh i think the ability for the texans defense to play a little bit of uh, prevent the home run is there uh, and I think the uh, incentive will be there for Bill O'Brien to play into his worst instincts and run the ball and take the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands. 
uh, I think there's generally a, um, you know, still a problem with the Chiefs defense in terms of their ability to stop the run. Uh, and that sets itself up well for a heavy dose of Carlos Hyde, a heavy dose of Duke Johnson on the ground. And, you know, the, the Texans have done this a lot this year where they have just bled out eight, 10 minutes on the clock in a game that we thought should go flying over the total. I'll just off the top of my head, Suma, you know this because I know we were on the same side of a lot of these games. Uh, Texans against the Colts. That game should have gone flying over. Never had a chance. Texans against the, um, the Ravens. That game should have gone flying over. Never had a chance. Texans against the Bucks. That game should have gone flying over. Never had a chance. Like they just absolutely eat the clock when uh, it suits them to, you know, play ball control. And, and there's an incentive to do that to keep Pat Mahomes on the sideline here. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the likelihood that the Texans um, can go score for score with the Chiefs and that this is a wide open, high scoring game, I think is pretty low. I think if the total gets there, it's because this is a close game being contested late and they're trading. Uh, possessions late in this game and and scoring in the fourth quarter, I think that you can look up at halftime and it's probably going to be in the you know ten three ten six type of type of range. And I would absolutely love to have a fifth under fifty one under fifty one and a half in my pocket at that time to come back on the over because I do think this is somewhat reasonable tight total lands in around forty seven forty eight. Um, but I think you're going to have opportunities for sure. Uh, in the first half or at halftime to get a much better number than the current total of 51 if you want to bet the over. Uh, so that's my strategy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's um, one for you. Here's I, I one. Have, and then here's something one. totally different. Here's, those here's those a, games, those those games that you referenced, the Bucks and uh, Colts. Bucks, Colts, and actually the, the first the first Colts game had 50 some points in it. But I don't I I see the game script going similarly to the Bills game, except much faster. And when they did come out in the second half, it was a different offense, even against uh, the Bills' defense is better than the, the, the Chiefs' defense. I mean, we can't disagree on that. That was a much tougher defense. What they did in the second half where they switched gears, let Deshaun Cook, I think they know – I mean, just go back and watch the tape, Bill. It's That was more effective. That's what you need to do. They know they need to keep up. I don't think they have the run game, and hopefully they know they don't have the run game to play that keep-away type of ball with them. I think they're going to be down early, and they're going to have to go to that second-half offense that they were using against the Bills, and it'll be more successful. I don't you know, I don't see this fly. I'm not saying, like, let's get some alt totals, but this total should have been 50 from the get-go. I'm happy to be on the other side of 49. I can't disagree with you taking the best of the number on the under, but, yeah, I definitely – I don't see this being – you know, trying to keep the possession kind of game. That's just not going to work. If, if that's what Bill does, that's what he does because he's not the brightest. But I don't see him stopping the Chiefs, and I think they have to go to that that uh, what we saw in the second half. Mm. Yeah, Watson, I mean, your points Watson, are fair. Watson, what Watson did in the second half was amazing. Honestly, how, how like I had a nice month or a nice. I did have a nice month actually, but I had a nice week. But the more I thought about that, like God, I covered. I covered that game with two two-point conversions getting converted in the second half. Like mm. God, God bless the Texans for getting that yeah. one for me. Really, really and truly. Um, Sumo, what's the last uh, Texans over you won? Oh, 
let me check it. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing this to make you feel bad because there's been some uh, ones that I know you had massive CLV on that didn't come home because I was with you. The last one was against the Raiders um, around week nine, I think. I had 51. Um, it, it, it landed closed. on 51. Yes, I had 51. It closed, I think, 52, and I had a great CLV push. Yeah, I remember that very well. I had Baltimore push, Houston one. You did see, and that's and that's where you. I did too. Not only, not only, like I get where you're coming from because Baltimore absolutely has the running game, the coaching, and the personnel to do that. Where even even if they're going to score every drive, it's like Baltimore is not scoring fast enough, and they just scored a touchdown on their first six drives. And I'm still unhappy with this total. Like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, right. that was a 50 <laughs> sure. that landed. It landed 48, I believe. It was 41 to seven. Yes, yes, it did. And Texans Houston, came through Houston, with seven stupid points for us. Missed miss field goals, all kinds of shit. Man. Yeah, that was oh. a, a really shitty game. But that then that's right. I see your point. Like if a team can do that, have long sustained drives, and you know, for under better sakes, maybe long sustained field goal drives, that this under probably will come through. But I. Uh, I'm still happy with my 48 and a half. Mm. Beautiful fall day. Full strength, both teams. They pushed 55 earlier this season in Kansas City. And that was when Pat Mahomes had re-aggravated that ankle injury. Oh, sure, sure, sure. There was some fluky stuff in that game, by the way. I remember that yeah. one pretty well, even though I didn't bet it. Um, okay. I also riddle, think- me, riddle me this. Riddle me this. There's something that's been that I did not use fundamentally in my handicap. I, this was not part of my decision making. I am full on like if this had stayed if this had stayed a flat number and the market hadn't been betted up, I probably I don't even know if I would have a take or a bet on this game. Uh, I'm I'm literally only looking at this because I feel like there is a long tail to the under here uh, based on you know number of number of factors. Um, but even beyond that, like, do you get what is going on with Andy Reid off a buy and these unders historically? Do you have a theory, Andy? I showed, I told you about this, showed you this a couple times. Assume I'm, I can't remember if I specifically brought this up to you. I was kind of saving this to, to surprise you to see if you had a take. But this will be the seventh playoff game where Andy Reid has extra time to prepare. All six previous games have gone under. Historically, people know it. Andy Reid off the buy is a great against the spread cover. He's just, he hits like 65, 70%, something like that. Amazingly, 80% of those games went under. Like, I don't understand because he's an offensive I, I guru. Think, offensive yeah, I think genius. it's a what small is going sample. on? It's just small sample size. Like, if we're starting to put, if we're starting to put, uh, like, how far back did he go? Are we dealing with Donovan McNabb and some of His these? entire career. Andy Reid's yeah. entire career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough to put a lot of signal to that because it's like, well, you know, how did Donovan McNabb and T.O. match up against that, uh, you know? Well, I'm, historically, Andy Reid's defenses have played up off yes. of the bye. No, the is whole there any, is, there, is there some reason? Just more time to prepare. Obviously, that def, you know, the defensive coordinator. This is a deviation from have. just in general, right? Like, in general, a team off the bye, even a well-coached team on the, off of the bye, doesn't hit the under at this clip. And, like, why, like so is it? Small sample size bullshit narrative nonsense that Andy Reid is good off the buy. I think you, I think you see more signal in the in the spread, like we just talked about. Like if a team truly can beat the spread, that means a lot more to me than the total because the total can end up 
with a lot of trash in some of these blowouts. 82% of his games off the bye. This is a 28-game sample have gone under the total. And the average total in those games was 44. A six-point tease to the under in an Andy Reid game off the bye is 26-2. and two. Yeah, I just have a hard time like putting any signal. To, I mean, it was a different team for a bunch of that. Like, are we going to put signal into some of that with Philly? Well, then just the Chiefs. I, I, I know. I and then and then at that point you're dealing with a very small sample. That's why seven I just. One, that's why seven, you know seven and one to the end. That's why I say Andy read off a bye with tongue and cheek because it's that's cooked. That's cooked in. Like every, Ed, my grandma knows that narrative. Like I don't, I'm not fully bought into something like that. Like, no, I'm, I'm not swung by a narrative like that at all. So um, if you just check the three games after a buy with Patrick Mahomes, 40 points, 31 points, 40 points scored. So I think it might have been a mix of maybe Alex Smith. Um, don't know. um They sometimes played Eli Manning, Derek Carr. Through 2015, they played Peyton Manning with a noodle arm. Um, so maybe we—it's it's, maybe it's just really a noisy trend, and we, we could make um, a case for worse offense, worse quarterback with Alex Smith, and worse quarterback they have faced because just the last three games with Mahomes, they scored an average of 36 points. So at 20 from Watson, we are good. How about uh, the fact that Andrew Luck and Frank Reich only rolled in there and got 13 points in this exact spot last year? Um, that was a spot where I had the over and... I did too. I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know how close he was to retirement from injuries That's at that point. Though. Good point. That was his last ever we, game. We've got, scored we've 13 got, points. We've got a healthy Deshaun Watson, sort of. Hopefully his ankle, <laughs> Achilles slash thing. He looked fine in the second half. I don't know. This this it's tricky because it depends how deep you want to dig into some of this. Like, do you want to look at every single game and start putting context? Because you know, how many games in a week would you say end up? Let's just take the total. Let's say there's 16 games in a week. How many of those end up with a a wrong result on the total? Like, this this game probably should have gone over. It went under. Not even games you bet. Every single game ends up on the wrong side of it. I'd you say about I mean? yeah, 25 percent. I, I was going to say a quarter of them, and yeah. it, it doesn't take much for a quarter of the games to start aligning themselves with one team here and there, and all of a sudden it goes from a coin flip to, like you said, 70, 80 I'm not saying there's not signal to this. I guess I, I kind of want to look at it now. It's interesting, but I still what is it? Yeah, what is it about extra rest that is helping Andy Reid? We are, like I, I don't know. I, now I'm in. I know that, that's now that's I'm where, in full on territory of just nonsense. But like when he has two weeks, well, no, he does I mean, his you're, offensive you're, thing you're that right. he does every week, and then he spends his extra time helping the defense. <laughs> like you, like what is it? When you want to take a trend from a shitty trend, like reverse line movement in the NBA on Thursdays when it's on the West Coast. <laughs> But if, if you want to move from that territory, because that is a solid gold trend. My that friend. is actually don't a you, solid don't trend. You, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> any, any trend, I don't, I don't want to be anti-trend. Sure. Because there are trends that absolutely have signal. They're few and far between, but you do need to start proving out the logic of it. And mm. it usually has to be something kind of under the radar too, that, you know, obviously the book couldn't be, 
building in baking into the line but you, you do need to start building some logic to it and uh, yeah like you said that's something we have to think about it'll be interesting to see what this defense does now because if it does stay under I think it's absolutely Kansas City defense versus the Houston offense if Houston yeah, scores 13 17 points it stays under I think, yeah, right, right. No, the, 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 the points total for KC is pretty narrow, 28 to 31. I don't mm-hmm. think you're going much over. I don't think it's coming in way under. Uh, but I can see 17 for the Texans, or I can see 24. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the deciding factor there, over or under. So let me ask you guys, postulate this, and then we'll move on. Uh, if it's 10-6 at halftime, are you doubling down on the over? Let's say it's ten six KC. Always. Suma. Well, I'm not really that second half bad guy. So um, <laughs> if they hang a, a really low number that makes no sense, um, I would I would like to, but um, I haven't really thought about that to be honest. Yeah, what's mm. the line? Give me twenty one and a half. Twenty eight. <laughs> that's a bit heavy. Ah, so that's gonna get, that gets you to forty four for the full game. In in what world would they hang a twenty eight on a forty eight and a half or a fifty on a, even on a fifty? That gets you. I, that gets you to. That gets you to forty four. Sixteen plus twenty eight is forty four. I know, but I don't think they take that into account. I would twenty eight and a half then. Yeah, twenty eight and a half. If it's ten six at halftime, that total better be twenty four. Twenty four and a half. That's what they're setting it at. You get. So they're going to give me that big a middle. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> I, I think if you set it twenty eight and a half, you're going to get hammered on the under. You think? I'd pe- yes. Okay. A, okay. How about? A big, if it's well, I mean, just in a, in a game that that's in a game that uh, you know, let's say it closes just at fifty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Twenty okay. is pretty high. Maybe okay, so if you twenty four so and a half, twenty five is right. So Andy, you're holding forty eight and a half. What does the first half score have to be before you're considering coming in on the middle on the under? Oh man, if it's like if it's like twenty four ten. I don't feel too scared about maybe eking out a middle. I don't do a lot of middling. There was a twenty-eight ten that happened in Can that happened this year with Kansas City that didn't get over. I know what. <laughs> do you remember that one? <laughs> There's just been some inexplicable KC and Houston unders this year, guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I know. Yeah, well, it happens. It's part of the deal. Um, yeah, that's so when you're when one coach mismanages the clock, the other coach uh, takes points off the board for his own team. This is how you go under. Um, all right. Well, let's move to the last one. Uh, a game that I'm really even, yeah, even if we disagree on that one, we can still say that we that both sides probably got the best of the number, and that's what matters in the NFL. That's a great point. Well said. Let's get. You know what? Yeah, be, I got a you know forty-six be, in the Vikings. You know, game. yeah, you know, it would be sick. Let's get a thirty to twenty, Kansas City win. Oh, all our buddies, that would be crazy, all, all our, man. yeah, all our buddies who have KC minus, uh, uh, you know, minus eights and nines, all get their win. We both get our totals. That would be sweet. Um, yeah. Make it so, football gods. Thank you very much. Um, speaking of football gods, they are looking out for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know why. <laughs> But they are uh, after an incredibly in, un, in inspiring, uninspiring blowout win that was seventeen to nine against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, eight point win, really, against that team, against Josh McCown, really, guys. That's all you're going to give us. Um, it has kept the Seattle expectation depressed. People still are not jumping onto the bandwagon that uh, we set sail with last week, Andy, uh, which is fine. 
presumably more opportunities down the stretch to get more exposure to this awful Seahawks team. Um, but uh, I've opted for a different approach in this game. I will. I basically I put my fourteen to one ticket for the NFC for the Seahawks together. I put my play in for them on a plus money money line last week, uh, thinking they beat the Eagles. This money line, you know, this fourteen to one is a free roll. That's kind of my mindset. Uh, I see line value in plus four for Seattle, but I'm not getting involved. Um, I would have made this game, uh, you know, two and a half, three. I don't know why it's four. I suspect there is some, uh, you know, factoring in here how well Green Bay plays in Lambeau in January, some factoring in here how much support Aaron Rodgers gets, you know, from the market in general, some factoring in here how great this team is in the first 15 plays and the likelihood that Green Bay has a first half lead or an early lead. Um, I mean, you see that in the first half line is like Green Bay minus three and the full game line is minus four. So obviously they think Green Bay gets out to a lead and holds on here. Um, That is fair fine i kind of agree with that i can see a scenario play out here where green bay is up early and then you know seattle comes back and makes this a game uh, i'm not feeling great about the seahawks in this spot even though i should because green bay are hot awful frauds who are going to get uh embarrassed in the nfc title game um if they get there but uh there's just there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of not great feelings about this game and this team and Seattle being a semi-popular dog at plus four and them giving us three points on this yeah. team. There's a lot of things that I just don't feel great about this one. Uh, Suma, dogs have, you, have fleas. They do. Uh, Suma, have you gotten involved in this at all? No, I don't have any play yet. Um, I would have liked the total to come out at a lower number. I, I had hoped for 44, 45, but I think that 46 was very sharp. I, I really hope that um, maybe the cold temperatures, um, frozen thunder narratives are going to drive the total down later in the week. Um, um, I think I would get involved if that would come back to 45, but I doubt it. Um, the only thing I really like in that game is the over because I think both offenses will have a lot of scoring opportunities. Um, I don't buy the Seahawks defense at all. Um, I think the Packers by pass block win rate from ESPN, they have the number one pass blocking O-line in the league this year. I don't think that the Seahawks passer is going to do any damage. Um, Aaron Rodgers should have clean pockets. Matt LaFleur has two weeks to prepare for the Pete Carroll defense. Pete Carroll, they have the highest base defense rate in the league, which is ridiculous in this era. Um, I think they run 66% base coverage uh, with three linebackers. I think Lafleur is going to draw um, and put up Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams on them all game long. I think they can't cover um, Devonta Adams. And so I, I really expect a solid offensive performance from the from the Packers. Um, Brian Scott Neymar is going to establish the run, but the Packers don't have the great, a great run defense. So I think um, this might mentally put Scott Neymar in a position where he's going to call more play action because he sees these four, five, six yard rushes, which don't really matter. But for his mindset, I think he's going to go more aggressively with play action if he can run the ball. Um, so I really, um, I mean, 
it's Russell Wilson. It's Russell Wilson, Tal Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf. Um, I think Dwayne Brown and Mikey Opadi are going to be back. So they should move the ball on the Packers defense, vice versa. And yeah, um, if the number would be 45, I would take the over. But at the current number, 47, I guess, um, it's, it's a no play for me. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't thought much about this total because it just it was one of those where we you know we make our lines before the games and I thought this was pretty much in line with what I expected to be at. I actually kind of hoped it open lower too. And then I looked at it again and I kind of leaned under and then I started to dig in and just like Suma said, there were some things that make me think both of these defenses are gonna have trouble with uh what the other offense is going to do. And there's going to be some scoring just Seattle. Like I've said this before, we've talked a bunch about Seattle's running game, how they don't really have good running backs, but they still run the ball. Anyway, they're going to do that. Green Bay. Oh gosh, well, I think it was sharps website. I went out and ran some numbers on just teams efficiencies. They're really, really bad against the run. As far as teams being successful, just a, high success rate when the other team runs the ball. And, I mean, Seattle's going to do that. They're going to do that a lot, and they have Russell Wilson. So I'm, I'm having trouble seeing Green Bay slowing this offense down. The only thing that's going to slow this offense down is Pete Carroll. And that's, uh, that's where I grabbed my plus four. We made this line minus two and a half. Almost everybody I've talked to is, was surprised it opened on the other side of three. I had to take the four. Even I try to take my futures and just I try to take any future bets I have unless we're getting right down to the end of it. This is the game I'm I can hedge it and just take that out of the handicap altogether. Because I don't I don't want to v- avoid Seattle just because I have some Seattle tickets. Like the, I the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> well, I'm just the four I didn't bet him big. I just I, I didn't heel turn as hard as you, I guess. Like well, I didn't heel turn. I just uh, we heal. Don't you back down? The oh heel. no, 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 no. Okay, yeah, we sorry, heel sorry. turn. We heel the turn. The heel turn was pre playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. pre playoffs. But yeah. I still, I, I don't think four was the number it should be. It should be minus two. It should yeah, be minus power two. Number. I took that power number wise. Seattle playing well. DK Madcalf coming into his own. This Green Bay secondary. Did not turn out to be as good as advertised from preseason. Us, uh, Chernoff, a lot of other smart people, we all thought the secondary had added some nice pieces. The defense isn't as good as advertised and can be beaten. Let Russ cook, and Seattle wins this game. Dude, I'm going to be pretty depressed if uh, Sunday night we're previewing uh, San Francisco Green Bay instead of San Francisco Seattle. Or Minnesota Green Bay. God. Minnesota Green Bay, I'll be really bummed. <laughs> yeah, it sucks I'll to be say really it because, bummed because I'll my, be out of the team. Shitload and I, and I yeah. won't want to watch that game. It, it's um, my yeah, team, no, but I that want, would be the bad, bad I, yeah, matchup. I want San Francisco 3 Addle pretty bad. Um, 3 Addle. I really, really want that matchup for the NFC title game. That will be fantastic, especially because it's the second game this week, this year. Um, it's Nightcap. It's a nightcap, a championship weekend. Um, even though, granted, KC Baltimore might be the uh, the premier game. Oh God, Whew. yeah, of course Whew. it is. Um, okay, uh, humid well, over here. Couple more, I know. Couple more thoughts on this. Uh, I was interesting that you guys were both leaning over uh, on this one because I was also leaning under, 
Um, it sat at 46. I was on the wrong side of 47. So I was like, well, because I'm not playing the under. Uh, blinked this morning. It's 47 and a half. Uh, somebody hit the bejesus out of it uh, when limits went up because going across 47 eat easy, folks. Um, under 47 and a half, then I was trying to make my case. Like, yeah, P. Carroll does stupid shit. He leaves points <laughs> on the field just like Bill O'Brien does. He will punt instead of go for it on the uh, Green Bay 40-yard line, even if he's down in the game or even if he can salt away the game with the with one more score. So, yeah, I can see there being points left on this field. Um, on top of that, uh, I think both running attacks will find success in this game. I don't know um, how the Seattle passing attack will be uh, able to take advantage of if there are you know take advantage of the fact that there's dime coverage on the field for a lot of this game. Uh, I think that's going to make it a little tougher for them to find success. Although they do have an absolutely brilliant matchup with uh, DK Metcalf on on uh, King. I really hope that we see some you know see some good. Uh, Good, good shots at King in this game because that's a beauty. Um, and, you know, I just I, – I'm hopeful for Seattle, and I agree there's line value, but I couldn't make a play at four. Uh, Andy, do you think that this number comes down? Do you think it closes at three and a half? It really hasn't taken – it really ha- we haven't seen much action on this, and it's the last game of the weekend, so I'm for sure there will be some kind of Sunday, you know, get back or get right or, you know, or last minute was, money that comes it's in. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing. What is the, let's, let's say Kansas city doesn't cover and it, it lands like 50. So the public gets slaughtered. Where <laughs> are they betting? What are they? Are they're taking green Bay, no matter what the number is, right? Yeah, that's probably not crazy. Actually, that might be why this is up. Man. Yeah, I, I had to think about that because, you know, Seattle could be a bit of a public dog, but, man, as far as a get-back game, I'm taking Green Bay if I'm public Joe better and KC didn't cover, I didn't get my over, KC maybe ruined my teaser with a backdoor from Houston. I had the beautiful teaser with Niners Chiefs or Ravens Chiefs. That got ruined. All my money line parlays went to hell when, when the Titans won. That that's happen. not happening. No, that's not happening. <laughs> please, you know, please. We could have said that last week. But this is a different team. So, um, yeah, I think I think if, if anything, maybe I'm not even getting the best of the number if, if people slam Green Bay. But, yeah, this number has not moved much. And to be fair, I don't really have a good read on why anything's moving right now this week anyway. Yeah, that's kind of fair, too. I, mean, I think the side, the side moves. Money came in today. Small, yeah, the, so- came the in. side moves in the direction of the favorites on San Fran. Baltimore and KC made sense to me. I thought that was th- those were correct. Um, the total moves to me have all been the fuck, um, but uh, that may be neither here nor there. Suma, do you have a difference in power numbers between Seattle and Green Bay? Uh, tough. Um, I think as a team, I have Green Bay a little bit better. But did you bet on it, Green Bay much this season? I feel like I didn't really bet on this team very much at all, no, maybe, which is why I'm a little gun shy getting involved in this one. I think they were always a little bit overrated. Um, yeah, so I thought I agree with you. My numbers were pretty much most of the time against them a little bit. Um, I, re- I had them, uh, I had the Niners against them, I think. 
Um, and then there were some games like the Panthers. Um, I, th- I think I had them against the Panthers and got really lucky with that goal line stand at the end. Um, mm, I did too. Yep. Yep. So this, the side is a really tough handicap for me in this one. So um, I think home field advantage, Matt LaFleur against that um, Pete Carroll defense, better coaching staff, um, better offensive line. So um, I make the number around three and a half. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's really tough to bet against Russell Wilson, in my opinion. In mm. this, in this <laughs> and betting on Aaron Rodgers. What good? Yeah, what is he? Yeah. What has he shown us in 2019? Nothing. <laughs> really nothing. <laughs> Can you explain how the Green Bay pass DVOA is as high as it is? Have you looked at that? Um, I think it's pretty good, right? It's like top ten somehow. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, <laughs> well, shit, man. His his DVOA should have come down in that Week 17 game. The, yeah. past, the the performance by Aaron Rodgers in Week 17 was probably a bottom five performance by any quarterback all season. They still won, um, but that was abominable. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So um, I think Ben Fennell from the Athletic he had a very good threat on that game. I think against Washington it was um, uh, where they they were just running. Um, Wide open receivers were running all the way down the field and, and Rodgers just didn't throw the ball. So um, I don't really know what, what's happening with him. He doesn't throw over the middle. Um, don't really know. I think that scheme from Metal of is pretty good. But it's really funny that last year when we um, blamed Mac McCarthy um, and we thought that Aaron Rodgers would be kind of rejuvenated under Metal of he has a lower QBR than he had last year under um, Mike McCarthy. So it, it's pretty remarkable. I don't really know what's going on there. Um, he has great pass protection. Sure, he didn't have Devontae Adams for like five games. But overall, I, I really would have expected more production, more offensive output from them. Mm. Titans offense got better with uh, Matt LaFleur leaving and Art Smith taking over. Who would have predicted that? Um, yeah. Andy, do you have uh, any? did you see much... Aaron Rodgers, or do you just change the channel in Green Bay zone? It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's been a team that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> maybe they win by 30. Like, any sh- it's maybe less on Rodgers, more on uh, outside of Adams having a really shaky receiving core. The defense has been weird. Like, this whole team's been weird. And let's not forget, it's a rookie head coach. Yeah. Like, absolutely that, that, true. We're, we have a rookie head coach with a bye, which is. I'm gonna have to look if that's ever happened. Mm. Uh, called Caldwell. Caldwell went 14 and two with the Tony Dungy's team. Oh, good call! Wow. Uh, no, Came uh, up with that uh, pretty quick. Uh, no, uh, so we brought it up in one of the chats. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sports Hack. He yeah, had a right. couple because we were talking about it. Like rookie head coaches in the playoffs. You know, it doesn't. It's not really a thing unless you take over for a team that maybe had a you know a good core like Dungy's sure. retirement or possibly uh, it was Harbaugh's first year. Yeah, in uh, in uh, Baltimore, they went to the playoffs, but I do believe they did not have a bye. So kind of Nagy a weird almost got one last year. Yep, Nagy, but rookie head coach McVeigh stunk it up in his first ever playoff appearance. Nagy stunk it up in his first ever playoff appearance. There's not a great track record recently. I know it's top mad of rookie head coaches doing well in the playoffs. Yeah, some of those like I I had all those, but then it's just like, but he gets an extra week. 
You know, it's, so it's it's the opposite of like the Thursday we fade a rookie head coach on Thursdays. Because, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they have yeah, no yeah. time to prepare, but now they get extra time. So I'm not using it huge, but it, it's definitely not. A, it's a demerit for Green Bay. Mm, okay. You know, versus okay. that head coach. How many playoff games has Seattle played in Pete Carroll's tenure? Plenty. Uh, like they like yeah. like um, how, they played more. 15? playoff games against green bay yeah. <laughs> than a lot of the players on green bay have played themselves yeah, yeah. for sure for sure for sure um I okay one point we can make is um i think if i would like to bet Seattle, i would probably wait for an in-game wager um, yeah i think i agree the packers are i think they are the second best um team over the first 15 offensive plays in the game right after the ravens I think Kevin Cole or Eric Eager post that stuff um, on a weekly basis. Um, and yeah, I, I could see Green Bay jumping a lead early and Scott Neymar needing two to three drives to get into the game. So maybe um, we might get a better Seattle prize early in the game. Yeah, Seattle traditionally starts embarrassingly slow. Um, they should have had a 3 3. It should have been a 3 3 tie at halftime against the, uh, the Eagles yeah. last week, which was, like would have this- been embarrassing. It looks like this will be Carroll's seventeenth playoff game mm. since, he and he's learned next to nothing about optimal about plus TV play going. He oh made the Super God. Bowl. Well, no, see, like, my, I mean, Pete Carroll, like, you take, you take, you know, a head coach has a number of responsibilities, right? Like, you gotta, you, he has to run the franchise effectively as from a person, you know, from a from a player, you know, relationship standpoint, and uh, you know, you need him to effectively put together a, a full team game plan. You need him to develop your talent and uh, you know, you need him to motivate your players and you need him to uh, you know, make plus EV in game decisions. And Pete Carroll can do two of those things extremely well. And he can do two of those things way below average. Um, and I think, you know, I guess checking two of the four boxes that you need to be a good coach is better than, you know, none like Freddie Kitchens or something, but uh, it is still, yeah, it's still frustrating. Like if you can't put together a plus EV plan and can't make good in-game decisions, it's, it's frustrating when you see those things manifest and you feel like, you know, they shouldn't be in a bunch of one score games. This team has the, you know, second best quarterback, clearly second best quarterback performance of any team this season. And, uh, and yet, you know, they're eking out wins against, you know, some bottom feeders. So it's frustrating. Um, Aaron Rodgers has shown kind of a couple of like he showed like I feel like he's in his DVOA is and stuff is is a little tilted just on the basis of like he'll have one good quarter or a couple of really good drives a game you know like overall his numbers look fine in the box score but like if you actually sit down and watch the complete tape like there's a lot of like good lord what is going on what is happening why aren't you just doing what you do man um, but he'll have like one or two drives, one quarter. Some a lot of times it's right at, right out of the gate where he's just crisp as can be. Everything is going exactly his way, and uh, he's unstoppable through the air. So, um, yeah, I'm prepared for that to happen early. I'm prepared for there to look up and see 17 nothing Green Bay at some point, and to sweat out uh, a Seattle uh, live play or second half play, uh, however that may manifest. So should be fun. I don't know if about the under. I still like the under too. I gotta say, forty-seven and a half, especially. But we'll see. We'll see. See what happens to that number. Um, Suma, before we let you go, yep. 
What do you make? Uh, what do you open? Uh, what do you open in that uh, KC Baltimore game? Uh, I would make that Ravens minus three and a half. Mm, geez. Andy? Three. Wow. Good golly. You guys like the Chiefs, huh? Offense trumps everything. <laughs> yeah. Offense rules everything around me. It, it'll be three, three and a half. What, what, I mean, are you thinking of five? You, you yeah, can't Baltimore's five. got the best offense in, in, in like the last – T- 10 years. Suma just I don't us. think this is a hypothetical that we won't find the answer to. I think we'll find out. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. No, I'm, four, I'm at four and a half if I'm being conservative and if I want some Chiefs money. You kind of want to book your action. <laughs> 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 um, okay. Uh, Suma. Super Bowl. Who you got? Let's tough run. So I think Ravens Chiefs are going to be maybe the best game of the season. Um, and oh, it's tough, man. I, I think I think in the NFC, I would take the, the Niners to make the Super Bowl because I think top to bottom, they are the best team. Um, they just don't have the best quarterback. Um, but everything else, Kyle Shanahan, the defense, pressure, when they have a lead, they can run the clock at the end of the game. So there's really a lot to like about the team. I think whether you, you put um, the Seahawks or the Packers there next week, I think the Niners are going to win. Um, yeah, and then AFC, it really comes down to that matchup. Um, whew, ah, gun to my head, I would probably... Wow. That's really, it's really tough to say. Um, toss up. <laughs> Let's say... <laughs> well, you think it. it's a three-point game then, yeah. 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 You say Patrick Mahomes? Let's just say Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think overall, um, the Ravens are the best offense, but passing-wise, if you just take away um, garbage time and you take away turnovers, et cetera, et cetera, um, Mm. because the Chiefs also had some games with Matt Moore, um, and even despite, I think, two games with Matt Moore. They beat um, the the Vikings with Matt Moore. Yeah. And I don't think he was really good in that one. I think he had to call big plays, big plays. But um, the Chiefs defense, if, if Patrick Mahomes played two games to his expectations, he would be the number one um, in EPA per dropback. Um, so this this is really just still a very, very good passing offense. Um, they were without Tyreek Hill for, I think, six games. Um, Sammy Watkins was injured um, they were without their starting left guard and um, left tackle for like four or five games so despite all the injuries Mahomes had that um, ankle injury that kneecap injury despite all that they are still the best passing offense in the league in terms of EPA per dropback so ah, gun to my head I would say it's Chiefs Niners well you're dead to me. I hope you enjoyed your last ever guest appearance in the deep dive. Um, wow. We, no. <laughs> the I'm just, I'm the, the I'm limits kidding. are going to be lower I'm on this, but uh, Dimes, Dimes has uh, uh, hypotheticals up for title. Oh, games. what do they have? What do it, they has have? Your, it has your four and a half if you want it. No. Five. That's my fair price. <laughs> well, go bet it if it's such a good price. 
No, that's my fair price. I know, I know. I'm giving you shit. You should be going taking the four and a half. Do you like three? I'm half tempted. I'm thinking about it because then I can come back when <laughs> when it opens three. Okay. All right. Well, It'll be interesting. So, so I, guess, uh, I, I mean, why aren't we backing the Chiefs this week, guys? That's what big. That's maybe the million dollar question. Then it sounds like we all kind of feel like that. Would this? Did, did we overlook this? Is this just? Uh, are we missing something obvious, glaring in front of us here? It's a tough number. I think it's ten right now. So there's ways to get around that. Ah, yeah. So team total makes sense this week against the Texans. Um, yeah, but uh, like I said, um, I I would take Niners Chiefs if you put a gun to my head. So it's still a very good Ravens team, and they will be favored for a reason. They have home field advantage. It will be tough for the Chiefs to go in there, but ah, oh, man, that game is gonna be good. Mm, okay. Well, I hope your your head coach might not Reed, doesn't game. make any blunders. I hope he doesn't make any mistakes. I hope he coaches a clean game, which he always does in high pressure moments like that. Right? That's really the downside. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is all in fun. I'm just having a good time. I yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah. heated. <laughs> what you, I thought you. I thought you were feeling the Ravens too. What happened? I'm mad at you for oh. such a stupid number. I'm not. No, I can, I can see it any anywhere from uh, as as good if we as we've been uh, guessing some of these anywhere from three to five wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, but my numbers. Make, uh, yeah, I mean it depends. It, it my numbers make it like three on, and a quarter. Yeah, it it depends entirely. In my opinion, it depends entirely on who looks the world beatiest <laughs> to the you know, next to this weekend. Like if both teams go out there and oh just yeah, neuter, it's gonna depend on the perception. South, yeah. If both neuter the AFC South, then you'll see a four and a half or something like that. If if either team looks uh, looks especially impossible to stop offensively, you know, on on an offensive basis, I would expect you see an inflated number in their direction off of four and a half. But who knows? Okay, guys, what I've do been we high make? on the Ravens forever. <laughs> what do we make the Super Bowl line? Ravens Niners. Mm. Four and a half. I'm trying to remember oh, what shit. it was in Baltimore. Yeah, Wasn't neutral. it four and a half versus five in Baltimore? It will be a neutral think, site this year. I think it was five, six-ish. Yeah, I think it's going to be three if that's your matchup. Maybe three and a half. Maybe. Again, it's a, I mean, you know, they will. I guess they will have beaten the Chiefs to get there. Yeah. Um, which I think will, you know, people will look at as the de facto Super Bowl. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, if it's if the Ravens are a three and a half to four and a half point favorite and cover against the Chiefs, then they'll be three and a half to four and a half point favorites against the Niners on a neutral. In my opinion, yeah, that's fair. Three and a half. Because do you like either? I mean, I guess Suma. Do you like either Kansas City or Baltimore, especially better against the Niners? Like, do you think one of those two teams matches up better? Oh, that's tough. I think, wow, they're so different and unique. So I think if the Chiefs play the Niners, um, so Lamar Jackson's awesome, but I think if it's a two-minute drive and the team needs a touchdown, I would probably still take my homes. Mm. So, I think 
if it's three and a half, I would probably lean towards the dog. So I, I think a field goal, field goal favorite for the AFC would be fair. Okay. Interesting. Kind of worth seeing if you want to take a blind look ahead on the Super Bowl. Hmm. Well, if it's uh, if it's the Chiefs, I'm going to be on the under. I know that much. Andy Reid <laughs> off a bye. Andy Reid off a bye. <laughs> Perfect. All right, this, guys. This was good. Suma, yeah. what is it? One one fifteen in the morning there in Dusselheim? One sixteen. Yes. Well, thank you for staying up with us. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. We love having you on, obviously. For you all, guys. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Best of luck this weekend and uh in in and uh enjoy your content and your contributions as always. Congratulations on a winning season. And uh we will touch base again in twenty twenty without a doubt. Yeah, third straight year you won oh, more yes. than us, so <laughs> you did have an over on the Bengals win total though. I will just point that out. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Over six. Almost got it. Almost made it. Um, yeah, all right. close. All right. Well, take care. Best of luck. Happy New Year. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you again later on this year. Same to you guys.